Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Tim and Carter. What's trending in Richards? Carter Wilcoxon, founder of CSI Financial Group here with my co-host and former wealth advisor, Tim James, founder of chemicalfreebody.com and your new health advisor. This is the show where we reveal the connection between physical and financial abundance. Hey, welcome back in Richards. Carter Wilcoxon here. We are ecstatic and pleased today to be able to bring to you um, our guest, who is our very first female CFP, and we will be bringing her in in just a second. But before we go there, let me bring on my Mr. Chemical Free Body co-host himself, Tim James. Tim, how are you, my man? Hey, doing awesome. Doing awesome. I just actually got done doing a uh, another podcast of my show and um, with a naturopathic doctor up in Canada. We had a good chat and we were just talking about raising consciousness and improving health and and um, I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was the uh, Health Ignited podcast. So check it out with doctors Nick and Sonia Jensen. That's it. Oh, couple, yeah. She just so, she just released a new book. So so were you a guest on that podcast? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, and my microphone worked. That, well, that there, there you go. I, I guess it just depends on which one of the systems that are available out there that's going to integrate with it properly. Yes, you know, right? yes, that's for sure. It, it happens. Well, speaking of guests, I want to go ahead and welcome our guest coming in from uh, South Carolina, Amanda Bateman, CFP. Uh, but we won't let that CFP define her. Amanda Bateman's got a great story, and she is here to share it with all of our enrichers. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Carter. Thanks for having me tonight. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And, uh, you know, so we're just coming off of Thanksgiving for everybody. So, Amanda, how was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty nice. Yeah. Got to go up to the mountains of North Carolina, not far from us, a couple of hours. Um, Spent some time with family, eat way too much turkey, (laughs) took a hike, so tried to walk it off. It's pretty nice. Nice. That's awesome. Now, one of the things that I learned pre-show, which my co-host is just getting ready to learn, um, is that Amanda is also expecting. So congratulations. Thank you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, pretty pumped. Wow, that that I want to change the whole direction for the third segment now. You can ask me anything about I have so much data on how to help people get pregnant, but you're already there. So now yeah, let's make sure we that figured that out pretty fast. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, you know what would be really cool, Tim, is uh, remember when we had uh, Diana Caprices on, and she what she used to be a doula, and um, I, I think it might have been episode number 20, 19, 20, something like that. I'll make sure that I share that with you, but I think that would be an interesting podcast for you to uh, to listen to as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that was those doulas are amazing people. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, that that would, uh, I think, fantastic. So anyway, I wanted to, you know, make sure that the enrichers got a chance to understand that, um, you know, some true blessings are on the show with Amanda um, getting ready to bring, I say getting ready. I mean, I guess you're in the first trimester, but yeah, uh, early on, but, you know, whenever this goes launches, you know, you probably will, you'll be in your second trimester by the time we launch. Yeah, I'm, you know, taking it a day at a time, but it'll be here before we know it, so. Yeah, that, that's 
That is awesome. And again, congratulations. Great deal. So, hey, listen up, Enrichers. I am so pumped about being able to share Amanda's story. I've learned a little bit about her, you know, along the way. And, uh, you know, she has a very unique niche industry that that her company that she works for. And I know you want to, you know, give praise to your founders and everything. And we'll get a chance to do that. Uh, and, and it is very, very unique. But before we go there in the first segment, what we want to talk about is how did you get into being a CFP? Because as we also talked about in uh, pre-show, only 23%, I, I'm, I'm going off of memory here, only 23% of female advisors are CFPs. Is that what I remember? Uh, close. Only 23% of CFPs are women. Oh. Yep. Oh. I don't know the statistics for how many advisors are actually CFPs. Financial advisors, as you know, covers a wide range of people doing different things. So not all financial advisors are created equally. <laughs> well, that's for sure. One of you are missing, some of you are missing a rib even, right? So anyway, that's a little, little heat, bada boom, boom. Where's your, where's your music at, Tim? Oh moment? yeah. Hold on. I gotta, <laughs> gotta, hold on. I actually have that. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> I'm ready uh, now. Sorry. Yeah, no, all, all good. I trust me. That was totally impromptu. I didn't know I was even going to do that myself. Um, but uh, Amanda, so, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the journey of a financial advisor, uh, the journey of a CFP, you know, I know many uh, of an advisor, who have attempted to become CFPs and do not do that. So obviously you are wicked smart as well. So with all that being said, you know, obviously you're, you know, you're, you're fairly young when it comes to advisory and things of that nature, but let's go back, share with the enrichers. How did you really start your journey and your path to having a heart for helping people with their finances? Like, is that, is that something that, you know, from your family, is it something that, you know, you had a mentor as you were growing up or whatever, but uh, not to put words in your mouth, but, you know, share on how that journey really started. Yeah. So um, I did not grow up thinking I'm going to be a financial advisor. I definitely didn't think I would be a financial advisor for dentists of all things. That is quite the niche. Um, but what happened is I was a first generation college graduate. I graduated summa cum laude from Liberty University in 2010. I uh, got out, started adding up my student loans and thought, oh, wow, I am never going to pay this off. I'm never going to see this much money. And I was really distraught, honestly. I thought, you know, I had gotten through college. I was really proud of that. But I, being the first uh, generation college graduate, didn't have the mentorship or support from family or someone who had been through the process before me. So I started just getting interested in financial planning from a personal side for myself. And um, really, it started with basic budgeting, learning how to tell my money what to do instead of just scrambling at the end of every month. And um, that led to just some Google searches. Honestly, I ended up finding this thing called a certified financial planner certification. I saw all the different areas of financial planning that that covered. And I thought, that's really important information for me to know. I should probably pursue this. So at the time, I was working in property and casualty insurance, started to pursue my CFP on my own. Um, took me a number of years, but finally in 2018, I did sit for the exam for the first time and pass it. So it was um, 
a really natural occurrence. It just came to me as a series of what I call unfortunate events, which became pretty fortunate ones because now I get to help people with money every day and I really enjoy it. So I consider myself lucky. Wow. So, so there was nothing sort of as you were growing up that attracted you to anything like this. It, it wasn't like you were like in seventh grade and you met somebody and you're like, oh, money, that could be interesting. Or um, do you think that that's a little bit of maybe why females are so lacking in this industry? Because it's just, it's just not something that they're attracted to uh, unless things like happen to you where you're like, I just have to take the bull by the horns and learn about my own finances. Yeah, I think it's a very much a male dominated industry. Um, I had a friend in high school whose dad was a financial advisor. Um, he actually helped me file my first taxes ever when I was, I think, 16. Um, I actually found a copy of those recently and when I was shredding some old papers, I thought, man, I, I got to get rid of all this paper. But, um, you know, so I, I knew of financial advisors. I knew it was a thing, but I really, I thought I was going to be a teacher. I had a teaching scholarship, a scholarship at um, a state school in North Carolina. So that's what I was going to do. Then I did a semester of that and said, no, this is not for me. I, I'm not going to teach. That I thought I was going to do American Sign Language, but I was going to have to do a whole extra year of college. And that was just too much for me to do. So I didn't do it, which now is absurd because I've done so much school and licensing and everything after getting my degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really did stumble upon this career. As far as why women aren't attracted, I, I think they're attracted to more traditionally uh, female roles like teaching, like I was interested in. And I don't think that there's anything you know wrong with that. I think finding something that you really enjoy doing and that you can you know, make a living and make a connection with people in your life and have a supportive community. I think those are the more important things. Um, but I, I do enjoy being in a male dominated industry. Um, really, we, we stand out as women in our industry. And sometimes that can be a struggle. Um, it wasn't an easy road for me to get to where I am today, for sure. But in the long run, it's definitely worth it. And I love being able to help other people who are pursuing their CFPs now or interested in breaking into financial services too. Yeah, so um, was there anything do you think that helped you prepare for, you know, being, a, obviously being a teacher and you were going down that road that had to have prepared you a little bit, but I'm just wondering, you know, uh, your formative years, you know, was there anything you think that, you know, helped you, you know, maybe playing sports or, and, and again, I'm, I'm not sure if you play any type of sports. I know that you mentioned your daughters and gymnastics and stuff. So I have a sneaky suspicion Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So do you think there's anything like that that helped you to uh, be a, a successful at what you're doing today? Uh, possibly. I, I've been told my whole life that I'm a natural leader. So I'm not surprised to be in a career where I'm helping to in a way, lead people in their financial well-being. Um, I did sports growing up. I did all of those sorts of things. But if we're getting to the heart of what I think attracted me to um, financial planning, just in general, other than that true, like I had that true moment of, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I going to do here? Is um, I have a really strong desire to be very independent and to not depend on other people. 
And so one way to do that is to have your financial uh, life in order. So I started working full-time um, when I was still in college. I started working part-time when I was still in high school. So from the time I could work, I did work. Um, and the reason I did that is because it allowed me to have my own independence and to depend less on other people, uh, financially speaking. So I, I think there can be different things that, that lead people down that path. Um, you know, for me, like I mentioned, first generation college graduate, like finances were not very stable in my family growing up. So, I mean, my family was fine. We were middle class. Um, we had food on the table, all those sorts of things, but it wasn't always um, certain how things were going to be. And I remember my parents changing jobs. And when I was in high school, um, there was a layoff in my family, which had a big impact. Um, I had been told my college would be paid for and it ended up not being paid for. So as you can see, those events led to that moment of adding up those student loans. But what I like about financial planning is that with a little bit of forethought and a little bit of well, as you say, planning, that's a whole, whole word, right. you can really change your whole life with not a lot of money. And I think that that is a really important thing for people to realize. Um, if you, you don't have to make six figures, you don't have to make, you know, four times that as a dentist to be well off and to be able to be financially independent and take care of yourself. It's all about the behaviors that you have and putting those systems in place. And I get to help people figure out what it is they want to achieve financially. And then I'm just here to keep them accountable to what they decided they want to do. So I'm not telling them what they have to do or what they should do or the life that they should want to live. I'm finding out what is it that you want from your life? What do you want to do with this money? Um, what, what does an ideal work week look like for you? Or what does making work optional look like? And then I get to hold them accountable to what they said they wanted. And as things change, um, we'll change our plan. But if things aren't changing, I'm gonna keep reminding you of, of what you wanted to do and make sure that you can accomplish that. Cool, well, I know that in the uh, second segment, we're gonna get a little bit deeper into, you know, the type of, you know, planning and what your clients look like and everything. But uh, I wanna go back and, you know, you mentioned that you played sports and I, and I played sports my whole life growing up, playing baseball. I know Tim James, he's an athlete, he played sports and everything. Um, and, and I just have this sneaking suspicion that the, the theme that I've noticed is that people who play sports growing up tend to be those types of, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So, uh, what kind of sports did you play growing up, Amanda? I really wish I could say I didn't play sports just so I could mess with you, but I did. Of course, of course I did. Um, I did softball. Um, I did basketball. And I did cheerleading, which is a sport. Uh, yes. Just to be clear, yep. cheerleading is a sport. <laughs> uh, well, anything you can break something in is a sport. <laughs> well, I don't know. I could break something walking up and down my stairs, which I was not far off from the other week. So <laughs> I might not be that generous, but <clears throat> that's called yeah. power walking. <laughs> yeah. So um, basketball is probably my favorite, although I didn't go very far with it, but did enjoy it and then so when it comes to basketball I'm assuming you were a two guard or a point guard I couldn't even tell you anymore it was so long ago <laughs> and I'm super short I'm five two so 
She was definitely a center. Yes. Oh, that sounds oh. right. <laughs> I I'm terrible. I've lost it all. Who's probably like Char- she's like Charles Barkley. Yeah, totally. Plays a foot taller. Yeah, Matumbo. Totally right. That's funny. So then, um, so basketball was your favorite. Didn't necessarily take it as as far, but um, now softball, which is interesting, near and dear to my heart. Uh, my wife who played softball at Baylor University. I always like to give her a shout out every chance I get on this podcast because uh, she helped me to become the man I am today. So I want to give her uh, all the all the props there. But she played softball, and you know that was for her, you know, a a, a bit of a you know, leadership role. And it took her to, you know, places that she probably never expected because she, she did go pretty far with it. So um, do you remember much about your softball career, if you will, growing up? <laughs> yeah, I started with T-ball. So it's probably what I spent the most time doing from my youngest years. Um, but I ended in middle school. I didn't play in high school. I do remember I was a cheerleader and a softball player in middle school. This must have been probably seventh grade. And my coach had told me I could do both. I think it was the cheerleading coach had said, yeah, you can do softball and cheerleading. And then there was like a conflict with a game I was supposed to be at with softball. I think it was like basketball. I don't remember what it was, but she was like, if you don't come, you're not on the squad anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm going to the softball thing. Bye. (laughs) So I really liked, um, I really liked softball. It was a lot of fun. Um, we had these like custom helmets that somebody had painted for us. We were the Tigers. Like, I just remember stuff like that. It was a fun, fun thing. My mom came to all my games. My brother would come. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. Um, well, I, I know that uh, I know we're probably coming up and I don't have the timer on this thing. Like my, mm, we're ready. Is it, is it close, Tim James? Are we coming up to that break? Yeah, we're ready, buddy. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you take us out to break. And, and Amanda, thank you for sharing some of your, your backstory there. Appreciate that. I'll try to do my best. Okay. And Richards, we're going to break. (laughs) See you in a little bit. Estate planning. What does that even mean? When the inevitable happens for everyone on this planet, your estate plan kicks into action. But first, let's start with what an estate is. An estate is simply everything you own. Now, here's the issue and what needs to be understood when this event occurs. You only have two choices on this plan. Number one, either you plan how your estate gets handed out and distributed to those you leave behind. Or number two, your state decides who gets everything you own. For the first time ever, you can now take complete and total control of this plan that you've been deprived of for most of your life and generations before you. You can get personalized assistance along the way with a team of specialists whose job it is to make sure you have true peace of mind. It's important to understand that estate planning is a journey and rest assured that our team will be available to you all along the way and at every step. Welcome to eState Plan, home of the last estate plan you'll ever need. To learn more, make sure to reach out to your local advisor licensed with us or go to our website for more information.
What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here, back with my co-host, Carter Wilcoxon. Today in the house, Amanda Bateman, CFP, all the way from South Carolina, gracing us with her presence. And yes, she is a glowing human being, not just because she's pregnant, but because she's just awesome. So, hey, Amanda, you know, one thing I noticed when I was, in a, I was a financial advisor, I ran into um, like our advisors groups and stuff like that. They were really wanting women advisors. There was a huge, there was, there's just, there was a bunch of women out there that had just had bad experiences with men in general in their lives. And they were jaded and they were just, they would just step over themselves if they could find a woman to, to work with. Um, and I, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like that in any industry um, that probably 95% of the people you wouldn't want you to help them or help, you wouldn't want them to help you and whatever you need. Right. So, um, a lot's changed. It's been quite a few years since I've done that, but you guys have gave some numbers. Um, you said 23% are CFPs. I would imagine that's going up a little bit more. Um, more and more women are coming into the practice, which is awesome. But I think what, uh, you know, something that's just like, there's certain professions and jobs that lean themselves to certain things like, you know, nurses as an example, right? More more nurses are, are women. There are men nurses. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just, it's generally people that are want to be a nurse or women. So I think that's probably the case. I don't know if that'll ever be, will there be more women advisors than men? I don't know. I don't really care, but um, I'm just glad that you're doing what you're doing because I know there's a huge, um, there's a, there's a big market that's underserved out there. There's a bunch of women that have money or whatever, maybe their husband died or, you know, and they, they're not getting help. They're really not getting help and, and they could be getting hurt because they're either just their money sitting in the bank earning nothing, literally, or, um, you know, they might be getting taken advantage of by somebody that just uh, isn't cool. So what's your thought process on that? Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that. Um, before my current firm, I worked for Vanguard for several years and um, definitely worked with what we refer to um, as the silent spouse, which nine times out of 10 is going to be the, the wife. Um, so I, I walked with many women through the process of their husbands passing away and them having to take over financial, um, not just planning, but just day-to-day -day finances that their, their husband had been responsible for. So it's definitely something that we're seeing um, and we'll continue to see. Women have a lot of unique um, things related to their financial lives that men don't necessarily face. And so having someone who has experienced that um, or some of those things personally is really helpful. Um, one of those things clearly we've already talked about is motherhood. Mm -hmm. um, having to be out of work for uh, postpartum time, time with the baby. Um, usually women are doing that a few times. Um, we forget how terrible it is. And so we go back and we do it again. And, um, you know, even in my niche, I work specifically with dentists, which I know we'll get more into. Um, but our, our female dentists have other things on their plate that our male dentists generally don't have to uh, worry about. And you talked about this shift in our industry. In the almost four years that I've been a CFP, I haven't seen a shift in that statistic of 23% of CFPs being women. Um, something I have seen in the dental industry is there is now a shift in dental graduates. 
shifting to a majority of women. And that's the first time that's happened in history. We're now at about 58% of um, dental graduates are female. And traditionally, it's, it's been a male-dominated industry as well. And so our firm saw that trend and thought it was important to bring a, a female advisor onto our team specifically. We would love to expand and bring more advisors on in the future as well. Um, but it's, it's been really great. A, a lot of my clients are female, um, not all of them. But when I'm working with my male clients, I do make it a point as well to bring their spouses in. Um, to make sure that they feel comfortable. And I've, I've done that in every, every company that I've worked in. Because like you're saying, Tim, a lot of times the women just aren't comfortable talking about these things. And so um, you've probably heard the term, Dave Ramsey, I think, has, has coined yeah. it, having the heart of a teacher. Um, there are a lot of things I don't agree with Dave Ramsey on, but having the heart of a teacher <laughs> is one of them. So um, you know, everything that I do with my clients, I'm leading with making sure they understand and they're comfortable with what we're, what we're doing and why. So. Cool. Yeah. Thank you know, it, no, thank you for that. That was awesome, Amanda. And um, you know, it, it's interesting because I've been, you know, working with advisors for 20 years, right? I mean, I consider myself an advisor to advisors, right? And it has absolutely been male dominated for sure. But it wasn't until about five years ago, whenever we built our entire, um, you know, new business model, if you will, around estate planning as a foundational approach, where I started to really recognize how advantageous it can be when leading with estate planning if you are a female, and uh, and a lot of that is because, and the reason why you know you try to engage with the women, the women that come in and you're having these meetings. Um, I think it just from the perspective of a of a client meeting, right? You got the husband and you got the wife with the traditionally speaking a, a male advisor. I think the female advisor doesn't engage because she doesn't resonate because there's a disconnect between life's experiences, if nothing else, right? So uh, I quickly recognize that our business model, which is why I was so excited about you being a guest on the show and for you to you know, potentially learn more about our, our uh, triumvirate of planning that helps advisors grow their practice between estate, financial, and legacy planning with legacy stories, because the legacy stories component is the emotional connection that we have added to the, to the mix that really helps to encourage much more the female component of the emotional aspect of planning, because you know, the estate and the financial planning, that's how all the stuff gets done. But it's the emotional aspect of legacy planning and how you're going to be remembered on uh, on why we added legacy storage, which I know you probably haven't even had a chance to learn much about that uh, additional component that we just added. But we did that for a specific reason. And it was to engage the silent spouse, as you called, uh, you know, the wife in, in a lot of these instances, to become part of the overall planning aspect around these households that our advisors work with. And I think leading from a female perspective that's incorporating that is just hugely advantageous in this marketplace. So that was my, I guess, my diatribe, if you will. Um, but so let's, let's get into a little bit about uh, dentist advisors 
and that niche that you are in because you are definitely the first that uh, I know small business owners, that's a niche that a lot of advisors get into, but you're specifically dealing predominantly or only, I'm not sure, share with us about that niche market that your founders, if you want to talk about your founders a little bit, you know, their vision and everything and how you came uh, into the uh, the firm. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, all of that stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, Dennis Advisors was founded about 15-ish years ago. I'm not exactly sure the exact year, um, but about 15 years ago by Reese Harper and Ryan Isaac. And they started out because they recognized the, um, I guess, opportunity to help Dennis with their finances. Um, but they weren't quite sure if they were going to start with financial planning or were they going to do consulting for Dennis. And something that I've learned since coming into the dental industry is there is all kinds of support for making sure a dentist is successful in their business. Um, they ultimately landed on financial planning as their niche. And we now have partners that we work with for our doctors who need consulting help with their practices. Uh, and I am really excited to be here. When I got contacted by dentist advisors, I said, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not just working with dentists. That's silly. <laughs> um, and they said, no, we really do just work with dentists. Um, I had been working at that point with ultra high net worth clients for a couple of years. So we're talking 5 million plus as my minimum client for investments. So we're talking dentists, we're in that, uh, lawyers, all, all kinds of professions, doctors, uh, anesthesiologists, all of that. So I thought, you know, you're really excluding a lot of people and a lot of potential clients by only working with dentists. Um, but what I learned as I, I started interviewing with dentist advisors is that it really does allow us to go deep with our clients in a way that is impossible when you're working with a lot of professionals. Um, so we're able to learn what is it like to be an associate dentist who is trying to figure out how to either start or buy into a practice or maybe even take over a practice entirely. Um, what is it like to be a, now a practice owner and maybe it's time to hire an associate? How do you make sure that you are finding the right type of person? How do you make sure that you're not giving away too much of your business? I like to imagine it a little bit like Shark Tank. You don't want to give up too much of that ownership. So we help our our um, practice owners figure that out when it when the time comes. And we also work with multi-location practice owners. So people who have, you know, we're talking just two locations, all the way up to some of them have upwards of five or more locations. So if you're a dentist, if you are a specialist, if any anywhere working with the mouth, we are an advisor for you. So uh, it's it's been really a whirlwind learning all of the things dentist uh, because if you're like me my only experience with dentist was going to the dentist which I've been doing pretty much my whole life thankfully I had a good dentist so growing up and I wasn't worried about working with dentists I thought yeah dentists are cool people I can do that and now I'm doing it so 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 oral surgeon uh, general dentistry family dentistry what, whatever it is if they got your hands in your mouth, then, then that's your potential client. That's right. And, and only that, right? Unless it's their spouse. Our clients are their spouses. I, I do have some spouses ask me that every now and then like, oh, well, you will look at my stuff too. Yes. Yeah, so if, if you're married to a dentist, you count. 
Okay. All right. That's, that's, uh, that, well, and I, I was kind of sort of like you, right? Like, I'm just like, wait, aren't you limiting the scope? No pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> on, on who you can be able to advise on. It seems, that seems like you are limiting what that is, but I love the idea of specializing in having your own niche because no one else can really penetrate that. I mean, a lot of the things that we've developed, you know, uh, whether that's, you know, through Epic or CSI was to differentiate our practice from everybody else's because we know it inside and out in that industry as a, as a whole, from your perspective, I'm sure that really helps to uh, win what I call the relationship war whenever they're looking to who's gonna be their advisor. Well, if I'm a dentist, and this company, this firm only works with dentists, as opposed to this person who's like runs the full gamut of, you know, from zookeeper to, you know, <laughs> superintendent to, you know, whatever. I think if I was a dentist, I would probably choose your guys' organization as well. So kudos. Yeah. I mean, I get that a lot. When I'm meeting with a prospective client, um, we have consultations. We're not at all salesy people. So if we have any dentists listening who are interested, um, you know, definitely you can hit us up at dentistadvisors.com and book a consultation. Um, but when we're talking with our clients, we're a lot of what we hear from them is we're coming to you because you only work with dentists and we want to know what that's about and what is the real benefit there. And having been an advisor for the general audience, you know, every, every type of investor um, throughout at some point during my career, uh, I'm really able to help clients see the difference. Um, there are a lot of rules of thumb. We actually just had a podcast episode, Dave Ramsey's not speaking to you as a dentist. Um, so there are a lot of rules of thumb out there that just simply don't apply to dentists because of everything that they have on their plates, the level of um, income that they have the potential for. So we're really able to help them um, make sure they're approaching things in a way that's going to help them get ahead as much as possible. Um, but really with that goal of making work optional. It's not about making yourself the richest person ever, like I was talking about earlier. It's really about figuring out what do you want your life to look like and how can we use your resources to make sure that's happening. Yeah, that's um, that, that's fantastic, and that makes that makes all the sense in the world, um, you know, to me that you know helping them to be able to establish and then and, and they've got to feel like there's an entire team of people that get them. I mean, and I don't know exactly how your firm works, but uh, it, just out of curiosity, are you a national firm? Hypothetically speaking, someone's listening to this podcast in Portland, Oregon, or Tallahassee. Tallahassee, Florida, or wherever, can you guys, or do you, you know, does yeah. your firm work with dentists all over, even though you might be in South Carolina and they might live in Phoenix, Arizona? Yeah, good question. So we are a national company. Um, I'm the only person on the East Coast, so I like to tell everybody that I'm, I'm the head of the East Coast for dentist advisors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but most of our advisors are based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, we have one advisor in California, and that's Ryan, our co-founder. Um, but we work with clients all across the country, um, as I have done my whole career in in financial uh, planning. So yeah, we work we work everywhere, and um, especially I think the pandemic has really helped a lot with our industry too, and with our business specifically, 
because uh, people are just much more comfortable with the virtual meetings um, than they were pre-pandemic. Um, for our team though, we have six advisors, six financial advisors. And um, of course I'm the only female advisor. Um, <laughs> so if anybody's looking for a specific female advisor, that's gonna be me if you're working with dentist advisors. Um, but we have a great team of advisors. Um, so I don't discriminate, but I understand people's uh, preferences one way or another, so. Gotcha, well, I was, uh, I was only curious and it's interesting that you said what you just said because my, uh, my chairman of the board uh, for Epic Services Company, he has said this countless amounts of times and the reason why we, I think, are on the cusp of really changing some things when it comes to how advisors help their clients, uh, which is why, you know, Offline, we should definitely have a conversation about how we can be able to strategically align on some things. But he said, you know, Carter, what was supposed to happen in 2030 happened in 2020, right? When it comes to digital transformation mm -hmm. and clients, you know, being forced to get comfortable, you know, learning FaceTime, if nothing else, just to be able to stay connected to the kids or grandkids across the country, right? Yeah. You get on a plane, you can't go anywhere, can't meet anybody. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is just normal, commonplace what we're doing right now, I mean, this is a, uh, I, I know they call it Zoom fatigue or whatever, but truth be told, when it comes to business, it's really hard to have a more ideal situation than, you know, uh, from a growing network of, of advisors whose clients could be anywhere in the country. It's It's been pretty beneficial, uh, obviously, it sounds like for you guys, as well as for us. Yeah, so. I wouldn't have it any other way. I worked in the office for all of my career, like the rest of us up until, or most of us, not everyone, um, up until March, 2020. And I would not go back to the office. Now meeting in person, love it, happy to do it. I was just out in Salt Lake last weekend, visiting with my team and doing our holiday service project and just getting some true FaceTime together. Um, but I, I love the flexibility and autonomy of the virtual work environment. And I think it's a great benefit for my clients who have busy schedules too. And they don't have the time to, to get in the car and drive and meet with an advisor just to talk with them. Um, I'm very available to my clients as are the rest of our advisors. And you know, being able to reach someone on FaceTime or text or email, whatever works for the client works for us. And we've never had that before. So it's really great. Yeah, yeah and you also save a lot of miles on your car too. So everybody's gonna have all these low mile cars in about ten years. Nobody's yeah. driving anywhere, staying at home. Great. Yeah. There well, that's go. good. So we're gonna take a quick break, guys. And when we get back, we're gonna flip the script and let Amanda ask me anything she wants about health. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself, and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here. I'm back with my co-host, Carter Wilcoxon. Again, in the house today, we've got Amanda Bateman, CFP from South Carolina. That's right. 
Oh my God, I got it right. For some reason, I was thinking North Carolina. I know it's not North Carolina, it's South it's Carolina. It's because I'm from North Carolina. That's mm. tricky. Okay, they got me there. Yeah. Well, this is the the moment in time in this space time reality, Amanda, that you get to ask me any question on health. So go for it. Well, I'm going to go the pregnancy route and I would okay. love to hear, it's not really a question, but more asking you for your tips on maintaining an active lifestyle through pregnancy. And I'll give you some background on me personally. I do go to Pilates and yoga three times a week. It's mm -hmm. two yoga classes, one Pilates class. I'm kind of looking for some things to do on my off days when I'm at home. I do have a studio bike. So what would your thoughts be on just tips for staying active through pregnancy? Because I want to not feel terrible throughout this. Okay. Well, one thing oh, you just brought up, well, he just triggered something. He said, I don't want to feel terrible. So, you know, a lot of women have a lot of issues during pregnancy, right? and um, the morning sicknesses and cramping and trouble sleeping and all kinds of stuff. But let me just address the first part of the question, which was like, what are some tips? So number one is like, I would say get outside as much as possible. This is where walking is really good and getting out in nature. That's going to be really good for your baby. Um, lately, um, I just shot a podcast um, on my podcast, the Health Hero Show called, uh, it's basically you are nature. Okay, we don't, we're trying to get clear here. We don't live with nature. We don't live in nature. We are nature, okay? And just to clear that up for anybody that's not um, in agreement with that, what's your body mostly made of? It's water. Where does water come from? Nature. Okay, guess what? Nature. When you're, when, yeah, when your bones, the minerals, what's your body made out of? You know, phosphorus, calcium, right? Um, so when somebody, you know, if old days you die, you'd lay on the ground and, go back into the earth and mice would come up and chew on your bones and they'd get some minerals there for themselves. That's what they do. When you, you see a deer carcass and it's gone, you know, it's just the bones left over. There's little chew marks. Mice are chewing on those and getting it. it nature's amazing. It like recycles itself. Also, if you look at your gut microbiome or gut bacteria and then go look at the soil microbiome or soil bacteria, many of those are exactly the same. So hopefully everybody gets it now. We are, we are nature. So, um, and everything that you're feeling, Amanda, emotionally, that baby feels. They, they've had, they've actually had these uh, children like hooked up to these monitors and stuff. And then where the where the woman and the husband actually got in a fight, and when there was a loud bang, something dropped. The baby actually jumped and arched its back in the womb. So babies actually feel your emotions. That's why I can't remember the doctor's name, but he said every woman should be wearing a shirt that says "Baby Under Construction." just so everybody knows, right? You want to be around happy people that lift you up and a supporting spouse. And, and it should be lots of Zen time and meditation and, 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 and funny movies and happy stuff. So, you know, getting outside and getting back to nature is really important because you and your child, that's where you all come from. We all come from that. And walking is good. Uh, mini trampoline is a good exercise. I also like yin yoga. That's a three to 10 minute stretching posture yoga. Have you looked, have you tried that before? No, not specifically, but I'll look into it. Yeah. I think you'll like that one. It's kind of, it's really low impact. And as you know, as you're getting towards your, you know, into your third trimester and you can't move around and do as much, that's fantastic exercise. Also, I would say with caution, um, water exercises, but you have got to 
you know, be in an area where you can get into fresh lakes, fresh rivers. You do not want to get into a pool with chlorine. I repeat, do not warning, warning, warning. Ladies, do not get into a chlorine pool with your kids and don't ever put your kids into a chlorine pool. That's toxic It's bleach, right? So that is not good um, at all um, to do that. So try to get into those saltwater pools and that kind of stuff. Make sure there's no chlorine in there. But um, yeah, getting outside, hiking and walking, just some of the normal stuff and stretching um, are some of the best things, I, I, in our opinion, uh, over here that we believe that women should do for, for exercises. And of course, the water sports when the water is as clean as possible and close to nature. I love it. Any other questions? Oh, gosh, I, I feel like I should have more. Let me go back to sleep hygiene, which is... We mentioned on the break, so I'm going to ask you about um, what are some good tips for sleep hygiene. Hopefully, you haven't covered this in a, another episode, but I would love to hear. Oh, it's your okay. Thoughts. It's okay. We what's really good is what people that are listening are starting to see the repetitive motion because we get asked about water a lot. We get asked about sleep, and these are you know this is smart. And what about nutrition? What should I eat? Because these are basic fundamentals to health. These yeah. are basically basic inputs to your system. So sleep is number two behind. Um, behind air because think about it without air you're dead in four to seven minutes without sleep you die in 11 days roughly right and then water's right there behind it right so it's air is important sleep and then water and then food you can last a couple months without eating so if we're looking at areas of important sleep is is in the top three air sleep and water right so it's really important that we're getting good sleep and we there's this thing called the circadian rhythms of life have you heard of that i have yeah yeah, so everything ebbs and flows in nature. And remember, we are nature. We're not living in it. We're not part of it or we're not living with it. We are nature. So and the way we've been genetically programmed um, before Thomas Edison for hundreds of thousands, millions of years is that the sun comes up and we wake up. And then when the sun goes down, we go to sleep. And the closer we can get to that, the healthier we're going to be, the longer we're going to live and the more enjoyment we're going to have because that's how our biological clock internally is supposed to work. And it's, that's what it's set for. Right. So, but with the advent of, you know, the light bulb and first candles and being able to stay up after dark and fire and then the light bulb and stuff like that, we stay up later. Now there's blue screens and all this stuff. So when you have all these lights going on late, your body, your eyes are re receiving uh, these lights and it's telling your body, it's like, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And it doesn't start producing melatonin. But when it gets dark out, then your body knows it's very intelligent. It starts producing melatonin to help you drift into that deep, restive, restorative sleep. And that's the key. We want to get into a deep sleep. There's a actually a national crisis on our hands right now. It's called shallow sleep syndrome. Many people are sleeping seven, eight, nine hours, but they're not getting into that deep, restive, restorative sleep. And a lot of it's because they're eating too late tremendous amounts of stress, blue lights, you know, laptops, iPhones, computer screens, all that stuff, electromagnetic stress from EMFs from 5G and smart meters. This is a huge one. This is something I could really, um, I think you'd take it and run with. It. It's really important is these, the stuff that you can't see does hurt you. 5G, those smart meters outside of your house, as an example, 2.4 uh, gigahertz. Guess what else is 2.4 gigahertz? Microwave ovens. And they're on the outside of every house. And a lot of people actually have their bedrooms sometimes close to those smart meters. But even if not, it's on the other side of the garage. It's still cl too close. And then the neighbors have them and stuff. So what you can do is you can call your 
local, um, like here it's Portland General Electric in Portland, Oregon, and have them come remove it. If you have one of those, actually, I call them kill meters, kill boxes. Not, they're not smart at all. Um, they just save them from coming out and reading the little things. But they're blasting you with electromagnetic uh, uh, their frequency, right? So EMFs. So what you want to do is just get harmonizers. Um, and I've got a gal that came onto my podcast, Dr. Elizabeth Plords. She was extremely sensitive to EMFs. So if she even came close to you in your iPhone, it was like somebody was poking, stabbing her with a knife. I mean, she felt it. And there's a lot of people that are very sensitive to it more than others, but we're all sensitive to it. Just some of us at different levels, even if you don't necessarily feel it, it still is affecting you because we're very tolerable. And we've seen this every single time there's a rollout, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, there's a tremendous amount of sickness and deaths and stuff like that that happens in the hospitals. And it gets blamed on, you know, flus and, and other type of things. But um, so... These, these things are really important. Also, baby monitors are scary. Those things are blasting the kids too. So I know a lot of parents have them to, to keep safe in the child, but sitting there right next to them, resonating and zapping the child. So stay, you know, you, there's blankets and stuff that you can get. Um, also switching gears here, grounding pads. Like you and your husband, do you guys ground? Do you have grounding mats and pads? I was just talking with my mom about this because she has some health issues and I was telling her she should look, I don't have one myself. Um, but I was really recommending my mom with her health issues yeah. to have one. Yeah. It'll help you sleep through pregnancy and after pregnancy. And it's definitely, you want your kids to do it. And again, you can look into nature. If you've, if you're a human being and you've lost your instincts, go ahead and, um, put a grounding pad down on the ground and see what happens. Cats and dogs will go start laying on them. Right. And it's because they pick up the frequency. They, they, pick it up so it's really simple there's the earth puts off a frequency that's why you hold up a compass anywhere you go and the needle moves what's moving the needle well there's energy there and that earth is just we're just bathed in these things when our bare skin's in contact with it the second we remove contact from the earth because remember that's what we're from that's that's the that's the mothership inflammation begins yeah and then that's the precursor to all disease so as soon as you touch your bare feet and you know, barefoot and pregnant that's where like that came from boom, the inflammation starts dropping down. So outside of the house and the residential and commercial buildings are iron rods driven down. That's the third prong. It's the foundation to the electrical grid in the house or the commercial building. And that's what you plug in these pads or mats or sheets that have silver threads in them that can bring that frequency through that third prong into the threads and into these mats. You sleep on it. And I have them right here. Like this is a grounding pad right here. And I've got one down below me. So I'm stepping on it. And I'm grounded while I work, and I'm grounded while I sleep. So most of the time when I'm in the house, I'm grounded because I know it reduces inflammation on a cellular level and charging my cells and giving me energy. And it's, it's, it's a disease preventative measure as well, and it's passive. I don't have to really think about it. That is a very powerful tool. And we do things like this over here in our coaching program. We teach people these things. We get them to implement them one by one by one, stack them, and then eventually – you know, they boost their immune system up and, you know, they start feeling better. They get their energy back, they get their life back. And then, you know, the weight loss and all the other stuff people are looking for, but you know, sleep hacks. Um, I gave you a couple good ones, grounding mats, crack your window at night. I would really strongly suggest that you guys really look at, and your mom too, especially if she's in the conquest of disease or something is, is the, um, is the air quality, making sure yeah. that the windows are cracked again, all these new homes that are being built that are energy efficient. They are like toxic coffins because for four and a half years after you paint a room, 
the paint is off gassing these toxic chemicals. The, the, you know, the floor, the carpet is off gassing formaldehyde, the pergo floors, you know, those, um, those ones that, uh, uh, laminate floors, they're off gassing chemicals directly linked to autism and children and kids are crawling around on those, on those deals. Right. So we have to get back to natural woods, natural stone, you know, and if, if you really want carpet, I would say go with some type of a wool or something like that, but they carpets get dirty and nasty. Like if you've ever, if you ever pull up carpet, you'll never buy it again. It's, it's they're pretty, I mean, it's really comfortable to walk on, but just get a rug because at least a rug, you can take it outside and beat it and let the sun hit it and let the UV rays, you know, do their job and, and sterilize things or you could wash it, you know, run it through a washing machine or something like that and then dry it. But, um, those are, those are a couple tips. Um, also, I think uh, infrared saunas would be really good. That really helps people sleep. And you can also, right before bed, just rinse off in the shower. Take a hot bath is another good thing, or just rinse off in the shower really quick. And then just that water going over your body really quick will help you uh, calm down and, and help you sleep better. I While you were talking, I thought of another question, which sure. may be off the topic of your normal, um, your, your normal topics. Uh, how do you plan to be buried? Well, I would prefer not to be buried at all. I'd rather just be tossed out on the ground and leave me alone because I would like to be natural. So I'm going to try my thought. I've, I've told my husband, like, I do not want any chemicals. I want you to build a pine box, which I understand is a lot to ask my husband to do when I'm dead, but uh -huh. he knows this. He's got plenty of warning. So he knows I don't want any any of the normal things to preserve me for the funeral home? Like, if you want to see me, you got to see me quick. Get yeah. your grieving huh. process started. And then I want to be in the ground and just wood. That's all I want. Yeah. Well, for me, for, for me, for me, yeah, for me, because we have a lot of ideas around this and see, so death in our society and stuff and a lot of places is, um, it's looked at, it's feared and we're, we're in fear mode because I don't think people really are tapped in and tuned in and turned on to, um, uh, to their spiritual path. I know I wasn't. And, um, to understand that you like, how could you one day just like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're born and poof, where, where did you come from? Right. Even Bruce Lipton said like, he's a 50 year cell, a biologist researcher, totally didn't believe in religion. None of that stuff. God, none of it. He's totally atheist. And then he looked at the cells and he saw that there was receptors on the cells and that they were getting frequencies from somewhere. And he's like, wait a minute. And he went from one day not believing in God to instantly being like, oh, yeah, there's a God. Because we're like TVs. We have like antennas. We're like a radio station, right? So the, the signal comes in. Like, where do these thoughts and ideas come from, right? Where the excitement and joy, where, where does it come from? It's like and to think that you die, you, 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 you always exist. You, you know, you can't. You can't, you're just a free flow of energy and just this, we just happen to be in this body right now doing this thing. And I don't know what's going to happen when I die, but I know that we are eternal. I know that. I don't know how exactly how it all works. I'm still working on that part, but um, <laughs> I don't want a box. I don't want anything. I just like throw me on the top of the dirt and, you know, give get the mice need their, they need their, um, they need their calcium in the winter. So let them, let them chew on my bones. I'm, I'm off doing something else, right? This is just, minerals and water and whatever else you know it's just a just a suit not at all what i expected we would cover today but i love it yeah <laughs> yeah you know what's funny um is that that's not what i was expecting at all either but it is interesting and amanda i gotta be honest with you i'm glad that you brought that up um 
And, and I, I can understand why you were curious because of, you know, Tim's take on sleeping and being, you, we are nature, right? So uh, I, I had no idea that you had predetermined, you're like, hey, I don't want any, don't put any of that formaldehyde or anything into my body. Yeah. Just, just leave me, put me in a wood box, bury me two feet under, six feet under, whatever, and just, you're done. I'm out. Amanda, yeah. do you listen to country music at all? How could you tell? <laughs> you, you know who Joe Diffie is? <laughs> yeah. So there's a song called Prop, I think it's called Prop Me Up by the, Prop Me Up beside the jukebox <laughs> if I die. I don't want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Yeah, that's Fill my good. boots up with sand. Put a stiff drink in my, in my hand. hand. Yep. Pop me up beside the jukebox if I die. That's a good one. I like it. I don't want to be propped up next to the jukebox, though. That's <laughs> Just for sure. Box. I got a pine box, dirt, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's all you need. I told Carter um, in our you know, pre-meeting, I have a, yeah. a knack for bringing up somewhat uncomfortable uh, conversations with people. This might be one of them. So hopefully your listeners Not don't at all. mind. I'm excited. But yeah, I'm excited I, I like about talking it. about that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on today and sharing and, and, and being a good guest. And um, I wish you uh, well in your practice. And I know you're going to do good. It's a, it's a really good niche industry. There's a lot of blue ocean there. So that's awesome. And I know, um, you know, the banks are stepping over themselves to give Dennis loans. So they're, you know, they're in a, they have a good cash flow business. So you can really be able to help them. And they're, they're fun because they're easy to help. Right. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Enrichers, we want to thank you again for joining us today for another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. And if you want to be able to see all of the previous guests uh, on the Health and Wealth Podcast, you can go to our website at www.thehealthandwealthpodcastshow.com for all of our previous episodes. Also, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, for my fantastic co-host, esteemed Mr. Chemical Free Body himself, Tim James, and our wonderful guest today, Amanda Bateman, CFP of DentistAdvisors.com. And of course, you will be able to see how to be able to get in contact with her as well in the show notes. Uh, I'm Carter Wilcoxon, CEO and founder of CSI Financial Group and Epic Services Company. Thank you all again for joining us for another show in Richards. And Amanda, thank you from uh, me and Tim ourselves for you coming on and sharing your backstory and your journey through becoming a CFP. My pleasure. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Health and Wealth Podcast Show. Hey, Enrichers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Wilcoxon. And I'm your host, Tim James. And by God, we are committed to helping you guys have fat wallets, flat bellies, so tune in again for another episode and make sure to like, share, and drink a lot of water. Or beer. You have just listened to the Health and Wealth Podcast with Carter and Tim.